Welcome to Two Therapists Talking. The hope for this podcast is to talk about important issues related to couples and individuals who are struggling in their lives with many different issues. I'm David Thompson, a marriage and family therapist. And I'm Sherry Christensen, marriage and family therapist. Please join us as we explore these issues together, and we hope you will learn and be enlightened along the way. Come find us at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast. Hi, welcome back to Two Therapists Talking. I'm Sherry. And I'm David. And today we are going to talk about how to change your spouse. I always think how to lose a guy in 10 days, how (laughs) to change your spouse. Yeah. There we go. We want to talk about this because I think it's something that a lot of people come into therapy wanting to do. Right. Whether that's because their spouse has a sexual addiction, whether it's because um, one wants the other to load the dishwasher differently (laughs) or... Yep. Spend more time together as a couple or whatever it is. It's a question that comes up a lot or seems to be on people's mind a lot as we come into therapy. It definitely is. And it's interesting because everybody has a theory of change, even Mm -hmm. if they don't think they do. Right. And so often one of the fun things we get to do in here is bring that theory of change to conscious awareness and say, do you really think that's going to (laughs) work? And they didn't recognize that that's their theory of change based on what they're doing. And so it's often surprising and kind of like, oh, wow. Well, I kind of don't know if that's going to work. Yeah. So David, tell us like, what are some of the big theory of change, theories of change that people come in with that we say, oh, let's talk about this. Yes, theory of change. So I want my spouse to do different or to be different or to say different things. And the way I'm going to do it is to pressure them, push them, Mm -hmm. coerce them or compel them. That's my theory. And I'm not consciously approaching it from that angle. I have never heard anybody say, oh, that's how I'm going to do this. I'm trying to coerce my spouse. (laughs) force them into it. No, but... When you examine their attitude and their behavior and what they're saying, mm-hmm. that's actually what it is. So it's, it's, it's interesting and it's a good question to consider if you are trying to get your spouse to be different in some way. Yeah. How am I trying to get them to be different? So, for example, um, it's often a negative approach where if I kind of nag or bring it up enough... And with kind of a negative tone, because I'm disappointed, it's true, I'm a little upset, Mm -hmm. Um, you're just naturally going to start doing what I want you to do because you won't want to hear me nagging and being critical Uh and negative all the time. Yeah. Which, my mind goes right to teenagers. And when in the history of the world did that ever work with teenagers, right? (laughs) I want you to do these dishes, and I've been telling you, and yeah... (laughs) Yep. Where they actually do it because they want to versus they're being pushed into it, right? Right. Well, it doesn't work with teenagers. Probably not going to work with your spouse either, especially because you're peers. And so hearing something negative and critical makes you want to do what? Yeah. You get Just defensive. Bail. You get bail. Withdraw. Check isolate. Mm-hmm. But this is actually 
according to what we're doing, our approach to changing my partner. Yeah. And this isn't everybody, obviously, and this isn't every issue either, but it's right. certainly worth considering. How which, you show up. How you show up, which mm-hmm. is interesting when we do our homework and look at how we've been trying to get them to be different. Right. Right. I mean, I can say even this week that I fell into that with my teenagers, right? Like with my kids, like, come on, if I like tell you enough and if I tell you in the right disappointed tone of voice or, (laughs) you know, however, suddenly it's going to click this light bulb in your head and ding, oh, I'm going to start doing this differently. Which is interesting. So why would they start to do it differently? Yeah. It's got to be because they just don't want to hear it. Right. It's too negative. But is that actually how you want your partner, let's say, to change? Is because right. you're so negative they're trying to avoid the negativity? That's right. interesting, right? Yeah. I don't know if that's very effective and certainly it's not connecting. Yes. Yeah, you may feel like, oh, actually this has worked for me in the past, <laughs> right? But is it working in the way that you want? And that's what we want to get underneath right. and bring up to the surface is, is that how you want your relationship with your partner to be? Is based on that type of like avoidant strategy. Right. Um, is that connecting? Does that bring you closer together? Or a fear-based, you know, strategy. Is that connecting? Is that something that's going to bring the two of you close together? And even if they do what you want them to do, yeah. if they resent you or mm-hmm. don't want to be around you as much, yeah. or they're just frustrated now, uh, is it worth it? Right. Probably not. So you've heard, I mean, this really could be the quote, I think, for what we're talking about. And this may be two episodes. We'll be. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's we'll definitely going to have to be two episodes. So the idea is that you don't make a problem to be solved more important than a person to be loved. Yes. That could be the theme here. Um, But we want you just to begin by considering your personal theory of change Mm -hmm. for those around you and your spouse, since this is how to change your spouse. Yes. How to change your spouse. How to change your spouse. As we're getting into that, we're going to talk about so many different things in the next two episodes around that. But again, I think as we're looking at that theory of change, what what we're going to realize as we begin to uh, dig into this and understand is that this is more about you than you think it is. So we misled you just a wee bit. We got you to listen to the podcast on how to change your spouse and you're going to find it's a lot about you. Right. But the serenity... Yes, we have a, a kind of a twist on the serenity prayer, which you may recognize if you're familiar with uh, 12-step work. Uh, the serenity prayer, as is originally stated, is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And this little twist on the serenity prayer that I totally love says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know it's me. It's me. Wow. <laughs> when when Sherry first said that as we were planning for this, I thought she just said it wrong. And so I corrected her. <laughs> 
it's like, oh, no, that's not wrong. That's actually just a it's, really cool angle on yes. it. Yes. And I liked it. Yeah. And so that's a little bit what we're going to talk about. And and the first point that we want to get into that is really the underpinning of anything that you're going to do, whether you're inviting um, inviting shifts in your relationship, because this, this doesn't mean, okay, well, throw it all out. There's no way you can do anything to be influential in the right. life of your spouse. They're just going to do whatever the heck they want, whenever they want for the rest of their life. And you just have to put up with anything and everything that's going on. That's not true. Nope. But as we get into um, all of these different things that we're going to be talking about, there's one thing that we need to hit first. And I love that you know, David brought this up as we were talking about it. And I said, yeah, that has to be the first thing that we talk about. And it, it's, again, something that you might be surprised if you ask yourself honestly for an answer on this. But mm-hmm. it really, at the core of, of this change process or invitation process, Mm -hmm. do you actually believe that they are lovable? Now, don't answer really simply, quickly. Think about it. Do you believe that they are worthy of love? And even deeper than that, just for who they are, Mm -hmm. not what they're doing. Because your first answer might be, well, no. If it is no or maybe I'm not treating them like they are, you'll find that it's based on what they're doing or what they're not doing, what they're failing to do. Mm -hmm. So underneath all of this is you have to believe that they are lovable just because it's them, just because they are. And we can lose that in this process of, of marriage and relationship and being very close to this person who is hurting us Mm -hmm. over and over and over again, we can Mm -hmm. lose that belief that they are still lovable despite all of this. Right. Yes. It doesn't matter what they've done or not done. Do you believe they're worthy of love as they are right now in this moment? It's a good question. And that can be a really tricky thing to kind of sit with and and look at. And if your answer is no, if you're realizing, oh, wow, I have not been loving them or treating them with love and respect uh, through this process, I don't necessarily believe that they're worthy of love right now because of all these things that they have done. Let's look at where that comes from. And that's going to show up not as, no, I don't think they're lovable. Yeah. (laughs) Probably not very many are going to say that. What they will say is, well, yeah, but, But. (laughs) and that's the challenge because think about it. Mm -hmm. Should there be a but? Right. Really? So you might say, well, no, of course not. They're lovable. It's just that, Uh (laughs) and this is usually where it goes. So that's what we're challenging here. Yes. And it can, f- this can feel very uncomfortable to sit in right. and to kind of pull apart. And part of that, we're going to go into why, is we have very, um, a very not balanced, centered way of thinking about this. We have two extreme sides, both of which are um, inaccurate and unhealthy and unhelpful. Hmm. And so... If you do find yourself recognizing, okay, maybe I am sort of in this space, maybe I'm struggling with this, 
but the fact that we're talking about this right now is feeling super uncomfortable to me. Well, let's talk about why. Um, Because our society teaches us very clearly that love is transactional. Yep. It's always about, I'm going to give this to you, you're going to give this to me. Um, If that's not happening in the relationship, I'm out. Yep. That very... um, self-centered, no sacrifice kind of space that we're finding ourselves in, in, you know, the last uh, couple of decades, it's, we've really kind of transitioned into this like me centered space instead of a sacrifice duty centered space, neither of which is great if you throw those to the extreme. But, um, in this context with that, there isn't the sacrifice, there isn't the loving someone as is it's like, okay, well, if you're not providing what I want, then I'm out and that's fine. Like you do you, I'll do me. And there isn't this, um, this balanced centered space. Uh, capitalism does the same thing, right? Everything right. in capitalism teaches you that everything is all about, transactional earning, getting what you deserve based on what you've put into things. Right. It's just very much transactional. And that fits great (laughs) with certain things like uh, economies. Mm -hmm. Um, We just can't apply it across the board to everything in our lives, especially when it comes to relationships. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before, but when you think about the definition of love, at least the one that I really like from road less traveled love is the will to extend oneself for one's own or another's spiritual growth Mm -hmm. so real love is extending real love is sacrifice Mm -hmm. and maybe that's where we start maybe the sacrifice or the extending is to see them consider them believe that they're lovable no matter what and that can feel like a sacrifice right right when you've been hurt, it absolutely can. But the approach to them changing or trying to influence them will be completely different if in your heart of hearts, you don't believe they're lovable as they are. Yeah. Until they do or stop doing. Right. Yeah. And if you are starting to feel a little bit triggered right now, I want to talk about the other side of that. Because we said, you know, we're, we don't live in, in society with this balanced center place. We have two extremes. Right. Because what we're talking about may feel like and sound like, oh, I have to like just love this person no matter what. No matter and what. And that let them do whatever. Welcome, and, Matt. And yes. Right. Yes. And so this other concept that we have that's been sort of contorted, especially, um, well, in society and even in uh, Christianity, this unconditional love concept is, well, unconditional love. That means no boundaries. Right. And that is really going to throw people, you know, if you are on this other side and you're saying, well, they're not totally lovable unless, or there's this kind of transactional space. Well, what are you doing? You're kind of trying to provide some safety for yourself, right? Um, some boundaries around that a little bit. And they're not healthy in what you're doing, but it's it's a way to try to protect yourself. Right. And so then if we're coming in and saying, hey, no, really the key is to get down there underneath everything and love them because they are and love them because they 
are worthy of love just by being. Yeah. Right. Then we start getting into this space where it can feel very scary to step into that because then how, so, okay, fine. I get just, they have, they get to do whatever they want and it's fine because I'm just going to love them. Mm -hmm. This is a really good one. Yes. Because I hear this a lot. Uh Uh-huh. And you can probably tell that there's balance here. Yes. That's not the balance either, is to tattoo welcome mat across your forehead. That's Mm -hmm. not the balance. And also with that unconditional love is boundaryless, it also often comes across as uh, the unconditional love is vulnerable, which we equate to being weak sometimes. Right. Which is not the case. It's the reality of it is that vulnerability leads us to connection. It leads us to greater intimacy and it's not weak at all. It in fact is strength. Strength for sure. And for anyone who doubts that, and I would say for guys, because I think guys struggle with this a little bit more. I think Mm -hmm. women are naturally better at connecting emotionally and, and appearing maybe what would be weak or vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you, more socially acceptable. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, so it's easier to step into that space maybe. I don't know. Well, I, I challenge guys to be real and emotional and even to the point of, of tears, like showing emotion about something and, and mm-hmm. just watch what their partner does. And their partner every time in here, every single time, even when they come in fighting, mm-hmm. their partner naturally gets closer, reaches yeah. out, Softens. puts their hand on their leg every time. And that vulnerability created a relatableness that you can't have any other way. Yeah, the and connection. that's strength. That's connection. And so this vulnerable equals weak pairing that we have going on, we've got to throw that away. It's not true. Yes. Yes. And that's what you're trying to get to, right? You're trying to get to connection. Right. That's the whole reason, right? No one comes in here saying, I want to change my spouse so that we're less connected, right? <laughs> it's always right. to be more connected. So as you're thinking about that unconditional love and you're thinking about that vulnerability, recognize that that is the path mm-hmm. to greater connection in relationship. So as we're talking about Okay, we don't want to go too far one way. We don't want to go too far the other way and become that like doormat that our spouse can just, okay, now do whatever they want. And I'm just going to love them. (laughs) I just have to love them no matter what they do. Um, What is the balance? What is the balanced center? Boundaries, a word that you're familiar with. We've Mm -hmm. talked a lot about this and it really is like this thread that weaves so much of this together is boundaries. but. Love has boundaries. Right. Real love has boundaries. And so that's the answer to where's the balance, and it's with boundaries. So let's consider how God approaches all of this. Surely God is balanced in the way that he loves us Mm -hmm. if we believe, you know, everything positive about him. How does he love us? You know, there's this idea, I think, that God's so good that mm-hmm. he loves us when we shouldn't be loved. It's his yes. grace. It's his, it, it's his so kindness good. and compassion that he loves us when we're not lovable. He and descends that's, to 
right. grant us this thing that we don't Undeserving. deserve. And, and look, there's some scripture that kind of points that out and makes it very clear that we are unworthy, unworthy creatures. Right. But yeah. I want to challenge that a little bit. Yeah, what again, if... that's a very sort of uh, medieval concept. It really is a, a Reformation mm-hmm. ideology. So I want to challenge this a little bit. What if God loves us no matter what, unconditionally, mm-hmm. because that's what we're worth? Yeah. That's what we deserve. And it's not because he's so good. And I'm not saying he's not good, but it's not just his goodness that he loves us no matter what. It's what we deserve. It's what we are worth. And maybe yeah. that sounds like a stretch, but I want you to consider your own children. Yeah. And which one of your children could ever do something where you say, you're not worthy of love anymore. You're not deserving of my love anymore. I'm done loving you. When right. would that happen? Especially as parents, when we can see how a lot of their weaknesses and trials and challenges relate back to us. Right. <laughs> you know, had we maybe done everything just right in all the right ways, but we didn't. And we, we were unloving a lot more than we would like to be. And so when would we give up? When would we be done with them? Right. So this idea that your partner is worthy of love, deserving of love, despite what they've done, Mm -hmm. I think is because that's who they are and who you are. And that is, I think, I think you're right. I don't, I don't think that God kind of has that. Okay, well, fine. Well, just, oh, I'm just so good, right? When we talk about, are you worth the love? Are you worthy of, you know, God's love or his influence or his help in your life or all of those things? Really, that's not even on his radar. Yeah. It's just not a thing. It is, of course, I am here in whatever capacity you are willing to allow me to be in your life. I can meet you in those spaces, right? Yep. If, you know, that's just, I'm just here. I'm just loving you. That's just a thing. And if you want to shut the door to that, that's okay. If you want to open it a little or a lot, (laughs) like however that needs to work for you, right? But we really devalue ourselves and others when we put God's quote unquote unconditional love well, he's, you know, just that way because... It's because he's so good. Yeah. It's not about us. Well, all you're doing is perpetrating this idea that we aren't really, that we are undeserving and we unworthy. We have to somehow and... earn it. We have to somehow yeah. be enough to merit God's love, to merit those things in our life. And it really isn't a thing for him. And don't you see how it's easy to buy into your spouse isn't lovable unless they're doing everything the right way and how I want it and when, mm-hmm. when this idea about love, even from God is that we're not worthy of it. He's just so good. So this right. is what we're trying to challenge. And here's the other aspect of that. If that's where you're showing up and that's how you're believing, Look at the kind of pedestal then that you put yourself on if you have condescended to love your spouse even when they are not being good. Yeah. 
it it's a it really ends up being a fairly self-serving place to show up in a relationship. Right. Uh, it's a very kind of uh, holier than thou. I'm, you know, you've put yourself above, above them because I'm doing good things and I'm going to be so good that I'm going to love you anyway. Right. <laughs> and you're That's, lucky to have it and you better know it. Yes. Yes. Okay. And what kind of a relationship does that then engender? How loving is that really? And what is that going to invite from the other person? If someone comes at you with that perspective, do you feel connected and right. equal right. and vulner- wanting to be vulnerable and wanting to be better yourself? No, no, no not I really. I'm not feeling that. Yeah. <laughs> it feels very one up, one down. It feels yes. like a real power imbalance. Yeah. And in that place, can you ever even think that you could scrape your way back up to being in an equal space? No way. No way. And I, I have a lot of clients who constantly talk about this moving target where even if they did really well in one area, they know they want their spouse. Mm hmm you know, to be different in, right. it just changes. It just shifts and moves. And then it mm-hmm. becomes, well, what about this thing over here? And what about that? Because that imbalance is serving the person who's up, not the right. person who's down. And, and, you know, oh my goodness, you know, how, how can you have a relationship if you can never be good enough? Yeah. So all of this comes down also to your belief about yourself. That's why when we started how to change your spouse, it's really about you. That's the serenity prayer that Sherry was talking about. Yes. Um, It is about me. Right. And so. And you can't come to the place where you believe all these things that we've just talked about for this entire episode until you can believe those things about you. Right. So where are you? Do you believe that you are lovable just as you are, despite any mistakes you've made, if you never did anything positive for the rest of your life or (laughs) negative, you know, are you still lovable? Are you still worth it? Yeah. Do you feel like you have to earn love from others, from God? Where are you with that? And I'm guessing you feel like you do have to earn it. Yeah. Most of my clients, when I ask them to do their affirmations in the mirror, Mm -hmm. um, it's very, very difficult. And if you imagine standing in front of a mirror and saying genuinely, I love you, that probably is hard for you, which means you really aren't buying into this. Yeah. Isn't that strange? When so many of us have been taught our entire lives to love, and yet we can't tell ourselves that I love you. I know too much about you. I know all your stuff. I know your faults and flaws and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I can say it. I mean, I guess I can say the words, but I don't feel it. I cringe. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Yeah. So how are you going to get to a place of loving your spouse when um, you struggle to love you? Right. Knowing your stuff and your spouse definitely has a lot of stuff, do they not? Right, right. You really, I mean, really what this ends up being is less, uh, not even less, but just 
more to the point, this is about your beliefs about love. Yep. And so we looked at your beliefs about love and how that shows up with your spouse, but then you also can't really shift, like things have to shift for you as well. So again, a lot of this comes down to fear-based stuff as opposed to love-based approach to life. Right. Right. Yep. And if you don't feel completely safe and loved and that everything will work out and that God has you and that, you know, you don't have to do anything to earn that, then you are going to show up in your life from a space of fear, from a space of needing to protect yourself, from a space of withholding love from others unless it's transactional or being such a doormat in order to try to get them to understand that you're doing a good job and you're lovable and whatever. And so they'll change because you're just letting them do whatever so that they'll see that you're worth love. Right. Let's find a more effective way. Yes. Or talk about it. Yes. So we're going to leave you here and Not on <laughs> purpose. The, the edge we're of just, your... this is already a longer episode. So <laughs> yes, leave you on the edge of your seat. So come back for how to change your spouse part two, and we'll continue this discussion. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to two therapists talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at two therapists, or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.